Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Greater Alton Church, and what a history-making day we're having today. Uh, I just, you say, well, you must know the number. I know the God that we serve, and I just know we're going to have a great, great Sunday uh, and, and make history. Paying off this building. Oh. A lot of preachers don't get to see that happen. Usually when they build a building, they get a new preacher. And, and then another one, and then another one, and then, you know, then they call the old one and say, hey, by the way, we're paying off the building, you want to come see what happens? Oh yeah. So it's, it's really an honor to still be around to see, uh, this facility being paid off. The things we're going to be able to do now, uh, the ministries we're going to be able to fund, uh, on a regular basis, it's going to be so, so rewarding. Uh, the staff that we're going to be able to support as well will be as, just as exciting. <laughs> And so uh, I'm just so honored to get to do this with you. Uh, you know, um, we're all doing this. We all get to do this together. You know, all of us together decided to build this thing. And many of us here at that. How many of you that were here when we started building this thing? Could you stand up? Just stand up. I want to see if how many of us stuck around. OK, that's great. That's great. Have a seat. Thank you for sticking around and thank you for. Uh, starting the the, uh, the ball to get to roll. I remember when they just had the stem wall, that little eight-foot wall all the way around, and they blew it up with a gigantic fan, and we had this this rubber thing going whoop, 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 and they were shooting it with concrete and styrofoam, and uh, then we didn't have any windows or doors. We had a big storm come through, and everybody, people from the neighborhood came. They said, we've heard this is the safest building in the neighborhood. And so... Um, you know, and sure, come on in. But there were no windows, so we were kind of hunkered in the middle. It was a little crazy out there. We're watching stuff fly by, and so watching this building as it goes through its stages, we thought we could have it built for a million dollars, and then we had to we had to pony up and get about uh, almost a half more million. Uh, I think it was point four more to finish it up. And uh, remember when we bought the chairs and. and wrote names and painted it. It was just, it's been, what a ride we've had. And we were planning a church at the same time. We were supporting the staff over there uh, at Wentzville at the same time. And I remember people going, I'd hear people as Robert and I would walk by going, those two guys are planning a church and building a building at the same time. And someone said, are they crazy? Yes, we're crazy. <laughs> Oh my, it's just a, uh, it was just a very, a big step of faith. What's that? Uh, see, we started on 2004, I believe is when we started building this thing. Am I right about that? Okay, so oh, there you go. So it's just, it's cool that, you know, it, less than 20 years, is that right? Less than 20, we've paid it off. That's a big deal, church. That's a big deal. Now you're saying, oh, if you're a guest here, by the way, I'm Tim, and, you, and I'm, I'm the fill-in guy. And, and what happens uh, is we, we, just, we want you to relax, and, and we're going to look at the Scriptures together. And you may have noticed, oh, you talk, you're talking about money. That's the thing I can't stand about churches. Well, I don't like it either. Did you know six out of ten pre, uh, Americans, almost said preachers, it's really higher, six out of ten Americans don't even want to talk about money. They don't even want to hear about money. I think eight out of ten preachers don't want to talk about it. Because a lot of times it, when preachers are talking about it, people get the idea, oh, the church, all they're after is your money, all they're after is your money. 
and they're trying to get a raise. Well, if you know me, and if you if you know me well, you know I I have no raise. There's no raise to get. Uh, and if you say, well, what, what is he talking about? Just ask somebody, and they'll tell you what that really means. But I do do believe, though, we have to we need full time people. We need to be able to support them and lift them up. The Bible says, "Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain." And the Bible also teaches us that we're to appreciate and lift up those that give themselves to full-time ministry. I just wonder where this church would be if I would have been full-time rather than doing a business and this at the same time. I just wonder where we'd be now. And so I, I just want to say to you, church, you know, what a what a honor and a privilege to be involved in this together. And... Um, you know, whether you gave a little or a lot, together we got we we knocked this out of the park. I know we've knocked this out of the park. I can't wait to announce how much it is, or or Gary's going to announce it tonight. He's he's got two gar- armed guards, and and they're keeping him from talking to people. So, uh, by the way, uh, I got so much to tell you, and I've got so little time. So let me let me get the announcements out of the way. Uh, the marriage retreat is this weekend. A new- at New Harmony, we're looking at music and marriage, how to harmonize. You know, uh, you, to, to make marriage work, you've got to be able to listen to the different, you've got to be able to harmonize because not everybody plays the same note in marriage if you think about it. And, uh, and, and we make beautiful music together as a couple when we learn to harmonize and work together. Nathan and Tammy King will be preaching and teaching us this weekend in New Harmony. That means next weekend, most of the marriage couples will still be in New Harmony Church. So, uh, what's going to happen is there'll be no kids stuff because most of the married couples that'll be there won't. They take care of the kids uh, stuff in the back and they won't be here. So we'll, you'll all be out in the auditorium. Gary is going to uh, talk to us about what now. You know what do we do now? And you say what's that about? We'll find out. Come find out. The fall fest is coming up October 22nd. But there's another date I want to remind you of, especially if you know somebody that can't listen, doesn't listen very well. Look over at them, poke them in the eye. Oh my. Tuesday the 12th, the 12th of September from 6, 6 to 7.30. We're having a meeting here. If you want to know about, you want to know the skinny on the Fall Fest, man, this is the place to come. You're going to find out. We're going to talk about booth people are going to be here. And if you want to know what's going on in the know, why we do this and what's, what we're going to do, man, be here Tuesday the 12th of September. From 6 to 7.30. That meeting will not go over 7.30. Pinch somebody if you think they didn't get that. And slap them if they say later, I didn't hear anything about it. <laughs> of course I'm joking. Okay. If you are interested in volunteering, you say, I can't make the meeting, but I'd like to volunteer. Jafer, is Jafer in the auditorium? Could you stand up, Jafer? Where you at, Jafer? Please stand up, Jafer. Oh, there she is. There she is. She, she, with the rest of the Lollipop Guild, will be at the Welcome Center. Now, instead, she's going to be at the Welcome Center. Her and Brian are, are heading up this uh, Fall Fest, and, and she will be more than happy to put your name down as a volunteer. We'd love to have your help. Like I said, the special contribution is today. We are going to have a bonfire and an ice cream bar. Uh, you say, I'm going to the bar, honey. We're going to the ice cream bar. And we're going to be having it in the back. Uh, we're going to have a bonfire. We've got so much stuff to burn tonight. And it's, we're probably going to, the, the, the fire department's going to have to be called. We're excited about this. We're going to burn the note tonight. 
And again, if this is your first time here, we just want you to know we normally don't talk about money. I was looking at the last 10 years. I can count on one hand how many times we talk about money. We just don't talk about it very much, even though the Bible talks about it more than heaven and hell together and faith and hope together. Jesus, most of his parables were financial parables. We just don't have the faith and courage to talk about it all the time like Jesus did. Okay, but seriously, though, I'm saying is that this is money's not the focus. It just happens to be the focus this week and last week because God wants us to have foolproof finances. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs, looking at all the wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It covers so much. And Solomon, when when was given the choice to ask God for anything he wanted, he said, I want wisdom. And God says, well, because you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give you twice the wisdom and I'm going to still give you wealth. And so we know Solomon is the wisest man and the wealthiest man in Scripture outside of Jesus Christ. He was, he was the wealthiest and the wisest. And that's why throughout the book of Proverbs, almost 140 references, and there's probably more, if you got technical about it, you could find more, have reference to finances, to resources. God gives us stuff for a reason. By the way, you know, Ecclesiastes, I've affectionately started calling it second Proverbs because it's a continuation of Proverbs in a way. And he talks about looking for the meaning of life. He talks about finances. Solomon continues there even in the book of Ecclesiastes. Last week we learned this. I, since I've, since I started putting, getting God and having Him involved in my financial portfolio, since I've included God early in life, I did this as an early age. My mother taught me to do this. I learned after I became a Christian. My mentors encouraged this and I, I shared with you five things that I learned, five principles. I've got five more to share with you. Let's look at last week. The first principle is God's wisdom is more important than money. If there's anything I've learned, anything I've learned about my finances is God's wisdom is much, it's more important to get wisdom from Him before I spend a dollar, before I save a buck, before I give a nickel, before I earn a dime. Man, I, I want the wisdom of God. It gives, it gives my resources, it, it raises the value and the usefulness of everything that God blessed me with because God's wisdom gives me purpose and motive, the right purpose and the best motive. Second thing we learned last week was everything belongs to God. I said this, worry is a sign that I think it's mine. Well, I got another little cliche, okay? What I think I own is really on loan. I mean, God is the source of everything. He only owns it all. He made it all. I think we even sang a song. Our security comes from the Lord. And you think about it. If, if God is the source and he owns everything and he's the source of everything, then I shouldn't let my job be the source of my security or my or the level of money I have decide how secure I'm going to be because both my job and my money are not eternal. They're temporary. Anybody else? Anybody had the same job you've always had? I don't know. I've, I've, I've switched some jobs up. You know, we, we, we move around a lot. Even a job, uh, uh, COVID taught us this. A job can't, it's not permanent anymore. And surely the stocks teach us that our, fin- our finances and money is up and down. So our true security needs to come from, not from these things that we can't depend on, but on a God who is, owns it all and is the source of it all. That's what we learned last week. Another thing we learned last week that I've learned from, from this is that my financial plan reflects how I really feel about God. You want, if I want to know 
what how much God what he matters and what what he what matters to me and what God means to me all I got to do is look at two things how I spend my time and how I do what I do with my treasures what I do with my time and what I do with my treasures and so God tests me he tests you and I and I've learned this he tests me by giving me something he wants to see will I trust him over that will I trust him over will I love him the most the love of money is the root of all evil love of God, oh my goodness, is the root of everything that's wonderful and good. That's the, that's the third thing. The fourth thing we learned last time, last week, was generosity will bless your life. And that's what I've learned firsthand over and over again. Generosity makes you happy. Jesus was right when he said, blessed, he goes, you're more blessed to give than receive. He is so true. I love getting gifts. I mean, I'm not going to die. You, you, you give me a bag of M&Ms, look out. I might hurt you to get them out of your hands. Thank you, I'll say to you. You know, if somebody wants to give me something, that's fine. I'll take it. But I'll tell you, I've learned generosity, giving. Jesus, you're right. It's There's something else. There's a happiness and a contentment and a security there that I don't experience when I'm getting something. And we live in such a getting world, don't we? You know, I, what we found out, we found out last week was studies have revealed that generous people are happier. They live longer. They're healthier. And one of the one of the biggest antidotes for depression is generosity. You ever feel down and out and like, do something for somebody and watch what it does to your attitude. It's like a second wind. It gives you an up. And number five we learned last week is gratitude's the best motivation of all. Much better than guilt. And we looked at 2 Corinthians 9, which happens to be part of that verse is on that giant heart out there. If you've never put your, if you've participated in giving, we want you to put a heart, put your heart in there. Uh, uh, you can slip it in there because we want everybody's heart involved in, in our, our special contribution today. But in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, he says, God, you know, if you feel, don't, don't give because you feel pressured and all this and guilt. No, give out of gratitude. I've had people actually use this verse to say, I'm not giving because I feel guilty. He's not saying don't give because if you feel guilty. He's saying pick another motive. Get another motive. Get a better motive. You should give, but give with a, with a heart of gratitude. And all I gotta do is just think about, and I've had so many of you, my mother's reminded me many times, look how good you've got it. Look how God's been. I could die now, and I'm good. Get cancer now. That's okay. I've been, it's been too good. You've been too good to me, Lord. And I believe it has something to do with having Him involved in my life. It's made that big a difference. Just think about all the good things. And gratitude seems to tip the scales off of guilt and shame or pressure. So what what else can we learn here? And I want to close out with today. Well, um, here are five more principles I've learned uh, by including God into my finances and into uh, my resources. Number Number six, God's financial plan pays off. It pays off big. I touched on this last week a little bit. If you do not have a plan with your finances, you're asking, you're asking for financial trouble. I know this, I know this firsthand. I didn't have a plan and man did I have trouble. Look at this passage here. Plan carefully and you'll have plenty. If you act too quickly, you'll never have enough. You ever bought something on impulse? You weren't thinking? Then you have buyer's remorse? He says, but look at that first part. Plan carefully and you'll have plenty. 
And be, you know, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to have extra. You're always going to be, you're trying to make ends meet. And I don't know about you, but for me, I was trying to make ends meet and I lost one end. I go, where did it go? It's, it was, it was difficult because I, so I, I would think things like this. You ever thought this? Where did it all go? I don't know. When you don't have a plan, you're not going to know where it's going to go. That's a, that's a sure sign you don't have a plan when you have no idea. And so my spending was a mess. My savings, there was no savings. There was no consistent giving because there was no plan. And it didn't change until I started getting serious about having a plan. So I asked around. I started looking, asking people that seemed to have a plan. What do you do? What do you do? And, and, and I started learning from the Word of God principles that helped me form a plan. Here's a passage we looked at. I mentioned last week. Look at this. Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. He says, Ben, you better pay attention to where things are because they, they're not gonna, it's not going to always be there. You need a plan. Have a good plan. You know, a common asset during the times of the Bible was livestock. I mean, you, you, either you had gold, silver, or you had livestock. And so you ask a shepherd, you know, what's the condition of your flock? He could give you down to the T and the I what was going on. He knew how many were in the herd. He knew how many were healthy, how many were sick, how many got killed, how many newborns. He, under, he kept records of everything. And that way he had a good idea of where, what was going on. And because that, he was blessed. Because that's why he says it's a, it's a good thing. So it's wise. It's wise business to keep good records. Now you might say, but I'm not in business. Yeah, you are. All of us are in business. Oh, you're a small business owner, Tim. Oh, I, I found, I've learned something before I got into the small business market. I'm in a big business. I'm in God's business. I don't know about if you, you ever heard of his uh, board of directors, the apostles. He's the president of the board, the CEO, the big kahuna. What he says goes. The buck stops there. The buck goes from there. I've learned, man, God's business is much bigger than anything. But I have to have a business. i got to have a business attitude if I'm going to, if I'm going to be blessed. And it's God's business plan. I've told you this story before, and I'm going to tell it again. I like hearing it. Years ago, I, I sat down and I, I looked at all of, in my business, all the suppliers I had, glass, glass cleaner, tools, internet, anything I paid every month, electric, water, and I call, I list them all and I get my current bill. My, what I'm currently paying, and I call them all up. I read this book called 52 Ways to Save a Buck. I highly, 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 highly recommend that. It's real thin, and the, word, the font is real big. It's easy to read. It's 52 Ways to Save a Buck. It's out of print. You can find it at Thrift Books. And one of the ways, one of the 52 ways was ask if that's good enough. And so I listed all these people, and I call them up. Hey, this is Tim. Hi, what's up, Tim? I've been buying glass for me now for a while. Yeah, I guess, well, I just wondered... You know, it got me down to a certain percentage. Is that the best you can do? And he goes, well, hold on. You know what? I think we can knock off a couple of points. Really? 
That's great. And I wrote it down. I call up the electric company. Hey, this is, my name's Tim, and I've been buying from Ameren for a long time. You guys know. Well, yeah, what can we do for you, Tim? Well, I wanted to see, I got my bill. Is that the best you can do? And they go, <laughs> Yeah, that's the best we can do, Tim. Sorry. Okay, thanks. Click. Call it the water company. Got the same response. Same response. I went through McDonald's one time. I kid you not. So I bought, a, I know I bought probably 100,000, 150,000 Big Macs. Is that the best you can do? I really think I'm the guy that probably gave the idea of this app. You guys got a McDonald's app? Anybody got a McDonald's app? I use it all the time. I've not paid full price in, gosh, months. And, they, and this lady goes, I beg your pardon, you're wanting a deal on a Big Mac? Well, yeah, I bought, I bought like five last week. Uh, sorry. No, there's no such thing. Sorry. That was the only three people I know of that said no. Everybody else, yeah, 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 yeah. I added it all up at the end of the, after I got done. I saved my company $900 a month. Now you say, wow, Tim, that's amazing. I said, yeah, I was able to do other things with that money. Now, my, my point is, you may not find $900 a month, but have you ever just listed? You just, see, that's what a good plan does. When you know the condition of your flocks, it makes you look and go, is, could that be better? Could I negotiate with my cable company? As hard as it can be sometimes, as arduous as it is, you have to threaten to quit. You'd be surprised how quick they bend. Especially since you got all these internet places now going out. Uh, enough of that. What I'm just trying to say is we, it's good to keep good records. And because you're in God's business, boy, it's really important. If you want, if you want to use the resources that God has given you that, that will, in a way that will honor Him and please Him, oh, you've got to, you've got to work on this record keeping thing. And look at this passage in Proverbs. Develop your business first before building your house. What is he saying? You need to first figure out where you are financially before you buy something. Before you get involved in... Work on your business. So I, I'm not... Everybody here is a business owner. I just want you to understand. You're working for the Lord and you're a manager of His, of his car that happens to have your name on the title. His house, his paycheck, the food that's in your cupboard, it's all came from him. And so it's, it's important that you have this idea, this, uh, a good plan. Uh, I heard somebody said it this way, a budget plans where I want my money to go instead of wondering where it all went. Is that good? I needed to hear that. That's a good idea. Instead of wondering where it all went, I can budget it and plan where I want it to go. Where God wants it to go. And so what do I do with a budget like this? All I have to do is to keep track of four things. What I own, what I earn, what I owe, and the last one, where it goes. Just keep track of where it goes. Well, how do you do that, Tim? Well, there's so many apps out there. I, w- I went through my phone yesterday to look at all the different financial apps. You can, they'll, they'll do it for you. All kinds of budgeting apps there. Sometimes people just use a notebook and they... On this page, I'm going to write all this. On this page, I'm going to write all this. And after a while, after a little bit of record keeping, you step back and you kind of look at it and you can see where things are going and what you can adjust. That's what a good plan does. So I list everything. And I ask for help. 
I ask somebody, hey, could you help me look at this? Maybe I'm not seeing something. Or maybe even take a class, which we are going to be offering another money class at the beginning of 2024. Because many of us will do this. We'll say, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. And one of them is going to be a financial resolution. Am I right? So we're going to be offering that as well. I, I guarantee you that. That's number six. Number seven. God blesses me to pay it forward. Why does he bless me? Well, a number of reasons. Take care of my family. Enjoy life. Sure. Sometimes he blesses me because I've been obedient. I've just done... Because I trust him and I've obeyed him, he blesses me. He rewards me. But he also blesses me not to be greedy and stockpile it and keep a hold of it, but to pass it on, to make a difference. Look at this Bible that he says in Proverbs 3. Solomon says, Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. You know, that sounds... I, uh, Susan, I thought about CIA, Compassion and Action. When I read that, I thought about Church of the Streets. But I, I didn't think about Greater Alton. And I should. And most of all, I should think about me. You understand, church? We should think like this. He says, I am God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. Like I said, God blesses for so many reasons. One of those reasons, He wants His resources circulated. He doesn't want them stockpiled. He wants them to be used. Look at this other passage in Ecclesiastes. I call it Second Proverbs. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. And then Paul would say to the church, to the Christian, he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, and just listen to the gratitude and just the, all the principles we've looked at so far are in this little passage. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. Wow. He gives you something you can then give away. I don't have anything to give. I don't have, God gave you something to give away. What would you do with it? What would you do with it? He gave it to you to give away. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows, look at this, which grows, that means it's, it's blessed now, it grows into full-formed lives, lives like Jesus Christ. Robust in God, wealthy in every way. You can't put a price on this. I want to I enjoy being a Christian. I want to be excited about being a Christian. I, I remember when I used to be, you might say, I want to be that now, Tim. Let me tell you, you put God first and He'll bless you with this. Look at this. Wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. It honors God when you're this way. God blesses me to pay it forward. Here's number eight. I cannot outgive God. I have tried. I've not said, okay, God, let's see what you do with this. Oh, I used to do that way. I used to do that. I'm sorry. I did. I used to do that. Well, let's see what you do with this. Now I go, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Because you, you outgive me. Here I think, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I've been giving pretty good. And the guy goes, oh, let me show you what giving is really like, Tim. You've got so much to learn. Look at this passage of Proverbs 11. Some people give much, but they get back even more. Solomon noticed it, notices that. Even if you give a, if you give a bunch, God says, I'm going to give you back more. I know this is true. 
This has happened to me over and over and over and over. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You give something, you think, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You, you stepped out on faith. You trusted the Lord. And what's He do? He delivers. He delivers big time. Look at this passage in Proverbs 19. Giving help to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord. He will pay you back for your kindness. I remember the first time I moved here in 1985 before Greater Alton Church was born. It's in another church. And we had a special contribution. And in that special contribution, we were taking up a collection to send some people to London. Um, this team of people, we are fortunate that one of those people is still here. The greatest, I'm just telling you, best soul winner I've ever seen. Not a perfect guy, but I'll tell you what, he can, he can win people to Christ. And we, and, and, uh, we, and I was thinking, what do I want to do? And, and so we're listening to, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send this team to London. They're going to learn how to be evangelistic and they're going to come back with all these tools. And, and, and so we're like, I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do? And I'm thinking, Lord, you know, and I'm talking to Denise and we're, we have nothing. We don't have any money. I, I just want to make it clear here. I don't know if you, if this crosses your mind, you might think that the, the staff here makes a lot of money. They don't. Don't let Joel Olstein or whoever wealth and these these people that have got the jets. You know, I root I'm rooting for the jets a little bit, but that's about as close to a jet I'm getting, okay? I'm I'm just saying is that we're not making we're not millionaires and we're not you say, Well, you're making more money than me. Not all of you, not a lot of you can say that. I'm telling you, there's I hear rumors and I hear people bumping their gums about what they think somebody makes and they're so off. Off about $30,000 off. And I'm just saying is that, you know, do you want, if you want a full-time person to work in the pulpit, that kind of dialogue, if you hear it, you need to snap it and squelch it as fast as you can. If you're talking like that, you need to repent. Because when a leader hears that kind of stuff that's full-time, it discourages them so much. And it motivates them to get out of full-time ministry. And church, I'm, not, I'm, I'm an old man now. Okay? And I have never got a check from the Greater Alton Church of Christ. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't pony up and pay up for somebody to work in full-time ministry, this church is going to... Just meander around and be the same old, same old. We need full-time people that love the Lord. We have full-time people that love the Lord right now. But we don't appreciate them. You say, how do you know that? Do some research on how much churches are paying full-time worship leaders, full-time campus ministers, full-time youth ministers, full-time pulpit people. You're going to have a hard time when you read that information. And I'm just saying, I'm not. by the way, I'm not saying to the generous here, you understand it. I'm talking to those of us that go, I don't know, I don't trust, I don't know if I want to give anything. Let me tell you, <laughs> you're not helping the kingdom at all like that.
you may want to go church somewhere else. I'll just be honest with you. You may just want to go somewhere else. Because you're saying something. Go somewhere where you can feel good about your financial support. You feel like you can trust them. Because those little voices, and I know there's a small percentage in this, in this room that they're doing this. And I want to tell you something, church. That little small percentage is so discouraging when it gets back to a leader. What they hear. I heard this morning, devil's been busy. I heard this morning someone says, guess what I read on Facebook? What? We're a cult. I go, oh, really? I wish we were. It's discouraging. Nobody does what they're told. Nobody. And in fact, we're all, we suck at being a cult. And I look and I go, well, Tim, we'll do better. We'll get there. I sure hope so. I'm joking, of course, but I mean, but but the, the truth is that somebody's made that, and I thought we're so far away from that. And I'm just telling you, you cannot outgive God. And I want to. I, I I just remember when that all went down. I the very first time I go, I'm going to. Uh, we talked about a thousand dollars. We didn't have it. We just didn't have it. Where are we going to get it? I don't know. I was making some repair boxes for a windshield repair company. Uh, I was personal friends with a guy that started this liquid resins named Steve Sloan. And he, he uh, said, uh, Tim, do you know how to make any of these boxes? I said, sure. And he would ask me to make one or two at a time. And I remember thinking, Lord, if the next 10 boxes I'm going to give you, because I made $100 profit, not counting my time, but material, I take the material out, I made $100 each box, that's $1,000. And we're like, all right, oh, that's... He calls and orders 10 boxes. I kid you not. He orders 10 boxes. I didn't get it out of, hardly out of my mouth for less than a week. He calls up and says he wants to. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. You know, I like to have 10 boxes. I go, oh man, I'm a, we're going to be able to give. Denise and I are excited. I'm working on them, painting them and doing all this intricate work. And then it's, as I'm getting closer, that's a thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. I could sure use some of that. I was, I'm just telling you, I was tempted. And I give him the boxes. He loves them. Writes me a check. And I'm looking at this thing going, (laughs) and I went, but Lord, I know we vowed. I vowed this. Okay. And you know, at first I'm sitting there going, oh, this is hard. This is tough. Why is it so tough for me? I'm human like anybody else. I, I want to be generous, but I'm like, it's it's a real temptation. And I went, you know what though? I set my jaw and said, Lord, it's going into plate. We put it into plate. A couple of weeks go by, I kid you not, and he orders ten more. Orders ten more. I start bawling. He calls me on the phone and goes, Hey Tim, I'd like to order ten more. I go, ah. Did I say something wrong? I go, No, no, thanks, Steve. Hang up. Or his name is Tom Sloan. I just go, Oh. God, what's wrong with me? I'm just like, like anybody else. Money makes us think funny things. And it was, and I'm going, God, you're so good. You're so good. He's, I've never been managed to outgive him. Not that I'm in competition with him. I'm just simply saying is that when I've given him, whatever I've given him, he's always brought it back with, and then some. Look at this passage in Malachi 3. Will a mere mortal rob God? And the answer is, yeah. 
they will rob God. He says, you rob me. But first he says, he says, the answer is no, no, nobody can rob God. He goes, well, you rob me. He's saying, yes, you can. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. Those are the two distinctions there, tithes and offerings. It's just not one thing we give to God. There's two ways they're talking about here. You know, you can give, you can be generous in so many different ways. There's that individual generosity that we help people, our neighbors out, which we all should do, but it doesn't take the place of what we do here at church. And then occasionally there's a special contribution. You see these, you see these three areas constantly in the scriptures. And he says, he says, you're robbing me. You're under a curse because you're robbing me. Then Then he says this in verse 10. He says, you're under a curse, but it's not the end of you now. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, to my house. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You know, there's very few passages in the Bible where God says, test me and see what I'll do. Do you know that? Remember, didn't Satan try to tempt Jesus and says, oh, you're not supposed to put God to the test? And here God's saying, if you want to test me, test me here. Test me here. I double dog, I triple dog dare you. Test me. And see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. He says, just bring me a tenth of what I give you. A tenth. Of all the things I give you, just a tenth. I know we, I, I know some of us here, we go, well, you know, the, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. That's an Old Testament principle. And, and, and you know, we, shouldn't, we should remember the New Testament. And the New Testament, they gave more than 10%. Early Christians gave sometimes 30%, 40%. And I'm, I'm in favor of that if you want to do that, okay? I'm just saying, God says, you got me at 10. You got me at 10. If you just trust me on a regular basis with 10% of your paycheck, 10% of your time, 2.4 hours a day, give me that. Dedicate that to me. Your talents, give me a tenth of that. And we you know what I'm going to do. You guys that worked on a farm, you've seen those dump trucks where they open up the and it just comes flying, the grain comes flying out. We had one of those. It was always fun. You know, it, did, it, didn't, it didn't lift in the back. They had to lift the whole truck and Danny and I would sit in the truck and lift the whole truck. We thought, okay, we're, it's, we're going to the moon. And then they'd open up that gate and whoa, it'd just come rushing out. So much that, it, that the, what it was going into couldn't keep up and it would pile up. That's what God's trying to say to you and I. Just give me a tenth on it. Just, just bring me a tenth and see what I can do. Want to know if I exist? Want to know if I'm good with my promise? Live on the 90. Give me a tenth. Watch what I do. I've done that so many times. There's times, you know, by the way, if you're in financial trouble, you go ahead and give God the tenth. And He opens up the floodgates. That's not Joel Osteen. It's Malachi. It's the Lord talking here. Just bring Him a tenth. Because you can't outgive God. He knows what you really are about. 
David said somewhere in the Psalms, I was young, now I'm an old man, and I've never seen the godly, the people that love the Lord, go hungry or their children begging for bread. Never. Never saw it. And he had plenty of opportunity. God will take care of you. Number nine. Got to move, don't we? Oh my, yes. God can, can release me from the grip of death. Look at the Bible says here. I think I want to say this to you because I know some of you here are involved. You have the grip of debt is on you and it's, it's discouraging you. It's keeping you. It's holding you back from using some of the resources that you have for the Lord. And I want you to know God don't like it either. He doesn't want that for you. He, and by the way, it isn't that he doesn't like you. He doesn't like what that's, what's happening to you and he wants to help you with it. Borrowers are slaves to the lender. Well, that isn't the truth. Debt limits us. It restricts us. It burdens us. It's enslaving. I, I don't have to tell you that. I don't think anybody here says, Yay, I'm in debt. I'm having the time of my life. Living the dream. No, you're not saying that. You're going, this, this is awful. I hate it. I can't, I can't do what I want to do. And we're, we're so bombarded by this, you know, buy now, pay later. And the five easy payments, we find out that none of them are easy. I, I read this yesterday, and it, it took me it took me by surprise. Our government, a, a guy by the name of Michael Mullen, who was a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 2010, said this about the United States: "Our debt is a national security issue, and the level of debt in 2010 was 13 trillion. Today, it's 30 trillion. Our enemies are buying up that debt." in the hope they can cash in and destroy our economy. In the past, by the way, it's not just governments. By the way, did you know Illinois is trying to get uh, employees now to put 5% of their check? They want you to give them 5% of your check and they'll take care of it for your retirement. The state of Illinois. I'm going to Missouri. Okay, so... I don't say anything more about that. But in the past, it used to be car and mortgage. That was basically the debts. Today, it's everything. We're paying, making payments on everything. That steak you digested or that meal you had the other day that you put on a credit card, it's already went through your body and you're still paying for it. That's sobering. Susie Orman, I I find her to be a great financial guru, said this, Consumer debt is paying for the present-day desires at the cost of future needs. It's bondage from the past. Consumer debt uses compound interest against you rather than savings that uses it for you. And it holds us back. You know this, it helped for years, for years, it held me back. I'd see other people give and I'd go, wow, look at that. And everybody's excited and celebrating. I couldn't celebrate because I had some guilt going on, some shame going on. And then I'd get angry and bitter about it. And it wasn't until I got serious about keeping records. It wasn't until I got serious about saying, God, what do I do with this? How do, what do I need to, what's the next thing I need to do? How do I get out of, a de- out of debt? I started asking for some people for some help, looking at scriptures. And I had to make some hard choices. I'm telling you this morning, if you're in the grip of consumer debt, it's not a commercial, it's not an infomercial. I don't get any money for this. I am telling you, it's, it's, it's true. You can get out of debt. You really can. God can help you get out of it. 
And there's just something exciting about that. Look at this. When the Lord blesses you with riches, you have nothing to regret. I've got news for you. When the Lord blesses you in your finances, there's no regret. There's no trouble. There's no worry because you know He's going to take care of you and you've learned, you learn to limit your spending. You learn to budget and plan where your money's going to go so you don't have to ever wonder where it went. You make better choices and you get real serious about this debt issue. You say, I'm going after this stuff. It's still good to fight against slavery. It's still noble to fight against slavery. And debt is a, is a horrible taskmaster. And if you're enslaved by it, revolt. Revolt! I'm not taking it anymore. And get serious. Look at this passage here. Work brings profit. Talk brings poverty. It's got to go past the talk and get into this, into working on it. Getting serious about it. I used to, uh, credit cards, I, I had three or four credit cards and I went, you know what, we're going to have to, we have to cut some up. And I picked one, and I picked, what I did was I picked a small, one that had the smallest debt, and I went after that thing like vengeance. And once I got it paid off, I cut that thing in half, I didn't have it anymore, and then I had this extra money from that payment, and I went, okay, soldiers, I need to transfer you over to this card. And here's, here's my money fighting against this debt, and all of a sudden here comes some reinforcements, and they got strength. And next thing you know, I built one victory, and another victory, and another victory. Next thing you know, I have no credit card debt. It's something about that. It's worth it. It's worth the fight. It's worth the blood, the sweat, the tears, the whole bit. It's worth it, church. Number 10, and I'll be done. I'm most like Jesus. This is what I've learned. Probably one of the biggest lessons. I've, I'm most like Jesus when I'm generous. The ultimate goal for every Christian, for every believer, is to be like Jesus. Is that your ultimate goal? Because I want you to know that's the goal he placed before you. He says things like, Paul says this, in your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. He tells the church at Ephesus, Christians at Ephesus, followers at Ephesus, you are God's dear children, so try to be like Him. Live a life of love. Love others just as Christ loved us. And what's the mark of loving? He gave. Generosity. He gave Himself for us. And look, it's a sweet-smelling offering. If there's anything I, I know is the, the more I think, the more I incorporate the attitude of Christ. You ever, you ever have those moments you go, man, this is not, I shouldn't act like this. I shouldn't think like this. This is wrong. Oh, I'm ashamed of the way I'm thinking. Why? Because down deep it's how you go, Jesus wouldn't think like this. He wouldn't have this snarky attitude. He wouldn't have this bitter attitude. I start, what I'm telling you is you start thinking not what Jesus would do, like the bracelet, but you start going, what did Jesus do? And you imitate it. Your time is at this, is, is, is at the disposal of God to use it. Your finances. Lord, what do you want me to do with it? My talents, the things you've given me, what do you want me to do with it? Here am I, send me. Here am I, use me. Like Jesus would say, here am I to do the will of the Father. It's a sacrifice to God, according to Paul. 
And again, I say to you again, one of the major traits of Jesus Christ is his generosity. And when you realize that, every time you do something, every time you do something generous, you're a little more like Jesus. Look at this passage as we close. I think it could be writing to Greater Alton Church, not just to Corinth. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that he gave up his heavenly riches for you. He gave up everything so that you could be richly blessed. He let go of his status. He let go of his of everything he owned. He let go of himself. And he, he, he gives it to you and I. And he says no to his wants. He says no to what he has. He denies himself. And church, every time you say no to yourself, you say, you know what? I'm not going to buy that right now. I don't need that right now. I'm going to make this last a little longer. I'm going to, I'm going to take what I would have done with a payment. I'm going to, I'm going to give that to the special contribution. I'm going to, I'm going to get, help somebody out that needs some help. It's the greatest feeling in the world when you're like Christ. It's an awesome feeling. And every time you do that, you, be, you learn two things. You first, well, two things happen. One, I begin to see how much God does for me. Wow, this is how God must have felt when he gave to me. And I, look, and I, I become a little more like Jesus every time. A little more. I'm interested in that. I want to be a little more like Jesus. So as we close out this service, and as you've given, and, and maybe you say, you know, I haven't given yet. Maybe you should. I had somebody uh, last week say to me, Tim, I, I was going to give, she told me how much she was going to give because I've decided to up my contribution. I go, why are you doing that? Well, you, I saw something. I read something. God spoke to me. Is God speaking to you? Maybe you say, oh, it's not too late. You know, get in there. I, I know some of you are saying, well, I can't give today. Well, you can at least make sure you pledge it so we know. I know some of you are giving a couple of months later, a couple of weeks later. Just want you to know we're all in this and we want to celebrate together. What a historical day. You are here on a pivotal historical day in Greater Alton's history. And may God bless you for your generosity with because of your generous spirit. And may God prove himself right by opening up the floodgates to you. There's a card in your bulletin and you might want to, if you want to fill something out, you want to, Say something that you're praising God for. or And by the way, tonight, I'd, I'd love to, as we celebrate, maybe ask if you've got something you want, you've learned from this special contribution or something you want to praise God for by having this note paid off. You're so sure, aren't you, Tim? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What, 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 what's, what's exciting you now? What do you think in the future? You know, maybe you want to jot that down on a card, or maybe you want to wait till tonight. Go ahead. But maybe you've got a maybe there's a special need you want people to pray. I love our prayer team because they don't send it to everybody. They just send it to a few people. They keep they keep a lot of this stuff confidential. They're not interested in blabbermouthing what you say. If they open their mouths, it's toward heaven, and they're asking God to help you with that. And so maybe there's maybe there's a decision you're wanting to make today. Make that decision. Write it out. Put it, put it on. Write it out and, and sign it or something and say, God, that's what you're going to get from me today. Whatever it be, you know, we're going to let you have a, a moment to do that. I pray to fill that card out. And then if you want to uh, put the card in those baskets, that would be great on your way out. Thank you for coming and hope to see you tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for 
the many blessings you give us, Lord. Too many to number. Father, we all could say there was times when it didn't feel very blessed at times. Kind of burdened. But because of our faithfulness, because we stayed with you, you came through. And Father, I pray that you'll just deepen the faith of Greater Alton Church. Let, let all of us here know that what we're doing today is going to touch the future in such a powerful... It touches now, but it's going to touch the future in such a powerful way. And we may not be here to see it, but we know you're going to work. Thank you, Father, for the hearts in this room. I thank you for just the honor to go to church with these people. Bless their lives, Father. Show them. Show them what you do when they trust you. Pray, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. This is my desire to Yeah.